the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges. This whole thing is perverted. This whole thing is hard to read. The events in Genesis 19 happened with pagans, people who did not worship God. People who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah were not worshipers of God. The people in Gibeah were Jews. These are God's people who understood God's law. They understood God's declaration of what is right and what is wrong. And this is clearly wrong. And so what is happening here is so tragic on many levels. There was great evil in the world in the end of the book of Judges. God's own people did horrible things when they started leaving him out of the picture and doing what was right in their own eyes. However, it doesn't go unnoticed. There are repercussions for sin. Pastor Gary is going to remind you today that no matter how evil the world gets, you can always go to God for direction, strength, and encouragement. He won't leave you or forsake you when you keep your focus on Him and living according to His Word. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Judges, chapter 19, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. The men of this city have knocked on the door of this old man who's given lodging to the Levite and the concubine and to their servants because the men of the city want to have sex with this Levite. Does this story sound eerily familiar? If you know your Bibles very well, Genesis 19 is a very similar account In Genesis chapter 19, you don't need to turn there, I'll just read it real briefly. This is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. When at this particular time, there were two angels that God sent. These angels took on human form. They came to the house of Lot in order to warn Lot, you need to leave because God's going to destroy the city. And when Lot brought in these two male angels who had human forms, it says in Genesis 19, verse 4, But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter, surrounded the house, and they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. It's the same phrase. We want to have sex with them. Now in the story in Genesis 19, it goes on to say, So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, trying to reason with the men of the town, he says, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now... This is terrible, but listen to what Lot does. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. They're virgins. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, the men of the town said to Lot, stand back. 
This one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge, talking about Lot. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands. These are the angels from the inside, reached out their hands, pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Now pick it up back here in Judges 19, because I want you to see what happens. These guys come to the door, they knock, same scene. Verse 23, but the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly. Seeing this man has come into my house, do not commit this outrage. Look, here is my virgin daughter. Does a similar thing that what Lot did. Here's my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Let me bring them out now. Humble them and do with them as you please. But to this man do not do such a vile thing, but the men would not heed him. So the men took his concubine and brought her out to them, and they knew her and abused her all night until morning. And when the day began to break, they let her go. So if you thought I was being dramatic at the top of the Bible study, you realize now just how bad this is. It's a terrible parallel here with what you have happening in Genesis 19 and what you have happening in Judges 19. Men come to the door of another man who lives in the city. They want to have sex with the visitors who are in the house. Lot offers his two daughters. In that case, the angels who were sent by the Lord rescued Lot and said, Get back in here, and you're not sending your daughters out. So no harm came to those daughters. In this case, this man offers up his daughter and this concubine of the Levite to appease these guys who have come to have sex with the Levite man. This whole thing is messed up. This whole thing is perverted. This whole thing is hard to read. The events in Genesis 19 happened with pagans, people who did not worship God. People who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah were not worshipers of God. The people in Gibeah were Jews. These are God's people who understood God's law. They understood God's declaration of what is right and what is wrong. And this is clearly wrong. And so what is happening here is so tragic on many levels. Well, verse 20 says, Then the woman came as the day was dawning and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was till it was light. So the men of the city have their way with her all night long. The Levite turned the concubine over to the men of the city, and she's completely ravished all night long. So now it's almost daylight, and she creeps back to the house where they were given lodging, And verse 27 says, When her master arose in the morning, this is the Levite, and opened the door of the house and went out to go his way, there was his concubine fallen at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. And he said to her, Get up and let's be going. But there was no answer. So the man lifted her onto the donkey, and the man got up and went to his place. Okay, she died. She had a death grip on the threshold of the door. He gets up the next morning, opens the door, and he's like, get up. What's wrong with you? Doesn't even realize she's dead at first. Then when she's dead, he just throws her onto his donkey, and off they go with her corpse. The reason I had you underline or or point out back in verse 3 how this Levite pursued her and went after her when she went back to her father's house, and he spoke kindly to her. To bring her back, the irony, the horrible irony of the story is that he pursued her and spoke kindly to her 
until, until he needed to save his own skin, and then she was disposable. I mean, just the hypocrisy of it all. He didn't love her. He was willing to use her if it was to his advantage. That's the way he completely treated her. That's what a concubine was. It was just the use and abuse of a woman. It was just the horrible mistreatment of a, of a woman. And then he goes after her, and he's like wooing her with kindness, only to throw her to the dogs if it meant saving his own life. And this is what he does. So there's nothing noble or honorable about this guy whatsoever. And now she's died. And he takes her, and this is where it gets even worse. How could it get worse? Look at verse 29. And when he entered his house, he took a knife laid hold of his concubine, and divided her into twelve pieces limb by limb, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And so it was that all who saw it said, No such deed has been done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up from the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, confer, and speak up. Now, What this guy does is he tries to send a message by cutting this concubine up into 12 pieces. There are 12 tribes of Israel. He sends one piece of her body, piece by piece, one piece to each of the 12 tribes. Why does he do this? Because he's trying to make a statement of how outraged he is that the people of Gibeah have done this to his concubine. Can I just say something? And, you know, as we look at this chapter and you go, what's the takeaway from this? Okay, here's the takeaway. For those of you taking notes, don't let your outrage about wickedness be too late or too silent. He should have defended her a long time ago. He should have prevented this. He should have been a man and gone out and fought the men who wanted to take advantage of him rather than giving over this concubine to all the dogs. So instead of defending her honor, instead of fighting for her, he used her for his own advantage, and then he pretends to be outraged. Look what's happened to her. And so if there's something that we can take away from this horrible story, this is hard to read, it's hard to even think about. I mean, you know, the depravity of a person to start cutting up another human being's body and sending it in 12 different directions. I mean, this is just, we're not supposed to be able to grasp this, because this is just, you know, insanity here. But should it at least, at least remind us that sometimes we can be outraged about wickedness and we wait way too long to speak up. And we are living in a time when we need to raise our voices about things that are wicked. Not just so that we can be yelling about wickedness, but so that we can still take a stand for what is righteous in our day. Because if we just allow wickedness to take over piece by piece, inch by inch, our whole country will end up just going along with the way of wickedness. And who's going to stand up for righteousness? You know, I've quoted him before, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was one of the few pastors in Germany during World War II to speak up against Hitler and Nazi Germany. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, um, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. And God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. The Nazis executed him in 1945. He was 39 years of age. But at least he spoke up. He said, this is wrong. This is outrageous. This is wrong what is happening in our nation. 
They executed him for it. But he was a voice of righteousness in a day when there was a lot of unrighteousness. And this is a horrible story to read. But may we be reminded that where we see evil in our world, we need to be vocal about what is right. We need to stand up for things that are true. We need to honor God in the things that are principled and the values that are biblical so that we can be a voice of righteousness in a land where a lot of wicked things happen. Again, not just so that we can bark at the wickedness, not just so that we can scream and yell, not so that we can, you know, be abrasive. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying at least a voice of righteousness wrapped in the love of the Lord Jesus ought to be proclaimed because if Christians don't speak up for what is true and right, who will? So this is part of our mandate. It's part of our mission to be salt and light in our world and to speak truth in a dark day. All right, we're going to go just a little bit into chapter 20 because I want you to see this story continues. So we'll get a little bit through here. Chapter 20. So all the children of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba as well as from the land of Gilead. And the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord at Mizpah. And the leaders of all the people, all the tribes of Israel presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God. 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. And then the children of Israel said, tell us, how did this wicked thing happen? This wicked deed happened. Okay, so they're reacting to the body parts that they've received. And so now they've gathered at Mizpah. 400,000 foot soldiers in the Israeli army here. Among the tribes of Israel, but not among Benjamin. Because Benjamin is the tribe that they have a problem with. In the tribe of Benjamin here in Gibeah is where this whole tragic event happened. And so after getting the body parts, the leaders are like, we got to get together. 400,000 foot soldiers here. They gather at Mizpah. The children of Israel ask, they ask the Levite guy, how did this happen? And so verse 4, so the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, my concubine and I went into Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin, to spend the night. And the men of Gibeah rose against me and surrounded the house at night because of me. They intended to kill me, but instead they ravished my concubine so that she died. Okay. He conveniently left out the fact that he turned his concubine over to the men. You know, all he makes it sound like is, you know, they tried to kill me and then they captured her and I couldn't do anything. And, uh... and so verse 6, so I took hold of my concubine, cut her into pieces and sent her throughout all the territory of the inheritance of Israel because they committed lewdness an outrage in Israel. Look, all of you are children of Israel. Give your advice and counsel here and now. And so all the people arose as one man, saying, None of us will go to his tent, nor will any turn back to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot. We will take ten men out of every hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, a hundred out of every thousand, and a thousand out of every ten thousand, to make provisions for the people." And that when they come to Gibeah in Benjamin, they may repay all the vileness that they have done in Israel. And so all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united together as one man. Now, notice what they're doing here. They are outraged. I don't know, you know, what has outraged them more. You know, the incident that happened in Gibeah or the fact that these body parts were mailed out. But they're outraged about all of this, okay? It's disgusting, it's horrible, it's hard to comprehend. When they ask the Levite, you know, what happened, and he gives them kind of an abbreviated version, leaving out again that part about how he turned her over to them, 
They come together, 400,000 soldiers in Israel, they're ready to fight their own, think about this, they're ready to fight their own people. Eleven tribes are ready to go to war against the one, Benjamin, in Gibeah, because of this incident. So there's a couple of takeaways from the 20th chapter, and, and here's one of them. Don't let the culture define as right or wrong what God has already determined as right or wrong. The one thing that is commendable here is that they have decided that they have to make sure that this unrighteous thing doesn't happen again, and they're willing to fight to defend what God has said is right and what is wrong. And so what has happened in Gibeah is so vile. That's the word that's even used here. It's so wrong. It's so sinful. They're like, we're going to go fight even our own brothers because this is terrible what they've allowed to happen. And so read on. We'll go a little bit further. And so, verse 12, Then the tribe of Israel sent men throughout all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has occurred among you? Now therefore deliver up the men, the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. And it says, But the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. So what happens here is the 11 tribes... They try some peaceful negotiations first. And they say to their fellow Jewish brothers in the tribe of Benjamin, if you'll turn over the men who did this murderous thing, this terrible thing of raping this woman, this whole deal, then we won't bring war. So you have a choice. You can turn them over and we'll punish the few, or we're going to wage war against you because we're going to purge the land of the evil here. And it says, unfortunately, the Benjamites would not listen to them. So instead, verse 14, instead the children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. Now, how many soldiers in the army of Israel? 400,000. What are the Benjamites thinking here? They're like, well, we can fight you. We can fight you. You can? Really? Well, how many can they pull together? Verse 15, and from their cities... At that time, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword. That's it. Besides the inhabitants of Gibeah who numbered 700 select men. Among all this people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Every one could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. Now besides Benjamin, the men of Israel numbered 400,000. It repeats it. 400,000 men who drew the sword, all of these were men of war. I want to say a few things before we close in the last couple of minutes we have. 26,000 men of Benjamin trying to go up against 400,000 of their fellow Israelites. In addition to the 26,000 men who drew the sword, they have 700 men who were like special ops guys. They could sling a stone with hair-like precision. Because it says here that they could sling a stone a hair's breadth and not miss so any target. Now let me tell you something about slinging stones back in that day. Don't think of a slingshot like, you know, a little Y-shaped thing with an elastic little rubber band, okay? Think a leather pouch with leather strings. They would put a stone, usually about the size of a fist, in a leather pouch, and they would swing this. And the momentum, check this out. They could swing a stone and hit a target 200 yards. 200 yards. The average speed, because even today, they'll demonstrate in Israel. They'll show you. When I was in the Valley of Alat, they showed us, here's how you can sling a slingshot. 
The average speed of a stone from a slingshot, 150 miles an hour. The major leagues, when they throw a baseball, a fastball is a good 95, 98 miles an hour. It's a really fast, fastball. Okay, I think the record's like 100 miles an hour. But 150 miles an hour, slinging a stone, 200 yards, can hit a target hair's breadth. These 700 were left-handed. It's interesting. There are three references in the Bible to left-handed people, and it is all in reference to military people. And every time it's mentioned, the three times it's mentioned, it happens to be the tribe of Benjamin. The Benjamites were left-handed. Ehud is a judge mentioned earlier in the book of Judges. And it says that Ehud was left-handed, and he drew his sword with his left hand. It tells us also in, I think it's First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 2, that two dozen men came to help King David fight. This is later. And it says that the two dozen men were ambidextrous. They could take a bow or they could take a sling in either hand, and they were Benjamites. And it says about these 700, these guys were Benjamites. The left-handed warriors had an advantage because most of the gates to a city were slanted to the right. And they could go up against the wall on their right side and have their left side, and they were pretty good warriors being left-handed with a slingshot like this. What is ironic is the tribe of Benjamin were descendants of Benjamin. Benjamin was born to Rachel and Jacob. When Rachel was giving birth to Benjamin, she died in the process of giving birth to him. As she was dying, she named him Benoni, in Hebrew, which means son of my suffering. But right when she died, in a smart move, Jacob, the father, said, I don't want my son to always be known as the one whose mother died as he was being born. I don't want to call him Benoni, the son of my sorrow. He will be called Benjamin, the son of my right hand. That's what Benjamin means, the son of my right hand, because the right hand was the sign of strength. So it's ironic that the Benjamites, who are descendants of the namesake, which is the son of my right hand, were predominantly left-handed people. But anyway, as they are used here in this battle, they come fiercely against their brothers. We'll read the rest of the military campaign. But I want you to have one last takeaway here. Number three, don't let your loyalty to others be greater than your loyalty to God. The Benjamites decided they were going to be loyal to the men of Gibeah who did such a terrible, vile thing. And their loyalty was misplaced. We're going to be loyal to our fellow Benjamites who live in Gibeah rather than to God. This was a perverse and wicked thing that the men of Gibeah did. And yet, instead of deciding we need to punish them for their wickedness because God says it's wicked, we're going to fight for them and defend them, and it'll be to their own peril. Their loyalty was misplaced. Don't have misplaced loyalties. Uh, Friendships are wonderful, relationships are wonderful, but you had better be most loyal to God than any other human being on the planet. And there are some times, unfortunately, when your loyalty to God means you can no longer be loyal to other people. Your loyalty to God sometimes means you cannot be loyal to other people. In terms of friendship, in terms of, you know, the way that you acquiesce or the way that you, you know, coddle or the way that you condone, okay, We have to be more loyal to God always. If we honor God, he'll take care of the rest. 
if we dishonor God because we're more loyal to people in some of their sinful choices, then we're just aligning ourselves with their sinful choices, and in the process, we're dishonoring God. That's what the Benjamites did here. Thank you for joining us today here on Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of Judges. It's a great reminder to the kid inside us, to the human flesh that is a bent to fulfill its own desires. Whatever we do, someone always sees it. Nothing goes unnoticed, especially those things we wished had been overlooked. Isn't that the role of a parent, though, to discipline the behavior of sin? Jesus is the same way with the Israelite nation and us. He doesn't allow sin to go without consequence. But he's also lovingly fair and desires each one of us to return to him. Maybe you felt like that kid who's gotten off track with God. We can't be perfect, but we can pray that we'll have the strength to do what's right and follow in God's footsteps. Are you struggling with that? Would you like someone to pray with you? If so, please email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry located in Leesburg, Virginia, committed to sharing the love of Christ with you through sound biblical teachings that meet you where you're at. To find out more about us, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That website again is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for listening to this edition of Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.